Our scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39 to chapter 12, verse 3. Sounds like a lot, but it's not. So I'll give you just a moment to turn there. Page numbers are there on the screen, and we are trying to make sense of church based on God's word. That's the series we're in. Queremos comprender mejor que es la iglesia. And so I'd like to read this for us first in Spanish, and then we'll read it in English. Comienzo leyendo en español y después vamos a leer en inglés. This is the word of God. So I want us to really pay attention to what it's telling us this morning. Es la palabra de Dios para nosotros hoy. Y dice lo siguiente. Aunque todos obtuvieron un testimonio favorable mediante la fe, ninguno de ellos vio el cumplimiento de la promesa. Esto sucedió para que ellos no llegaran a la meta sin nosotros, pues Dios nos había preparado algo mejor. Por tanto, también nosotros, que estamos rodeados de una multitud tan grande de testigos, despojémonos del lastre que nos estorba, en especial del pecado que nos asedia, y corramos con perseverancia la carrera que tenemos por delante. Fijemos la mirada en Jesús, el iniciador y perfeccionador de nuestra fe, quien por el gozo que le esperaba soportó la cruz, menospreciando la vergüenza que ella significaba. Y ahora está sentado a la derecha del trono de Dios. Así pues, consideren aquel que perseveró frente a tanta oposición por parte de los pecadores, para que no se cansen ni pierdan el ánimo. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So, in our culture, and perhaps in other cultures, being two-faced is not considered to be a good thing, right? Tener dos caras está mal visto en nuestra cultura. I mean, who can trust a person who is faithful to you one minute and then unfaithful the next or someone who is loyal at one instant and then in the next instant is disloyal to you quien puede confiar en alguien que es leal en un, en un momento y después no it's not a good thing our, our culture looks down of course on being two-faced la cultura menosprecia lo que es tener dos caras but it's interesting to know that the ancient Greeks didn't share our view. The ancient Greeks had a different perspective on this. Los griegos antiguos tenían otra perspectiva. In fact, they had in their mythology, in their stories, a figure, a deity by the name of Janus. Tenían un, en la mitología un dios que se llamaba Jano. Janus. And Janus was a two-faced god. Era un dios con dos caras. 
With one face, Janus looked backward towards the past. Con una cara miraba hacia el, el pasado. And with the other face, Janus was looking forward to the future. Con otra cara miraba hacia adelante, el futuro. In fact, it is believed that, of course, the first month in our calendar, January, is named after Janus. El mes de enero se nombra por Jano. Why? Well, think about it. In the month of January, what are we doing? We're looking back at the year we've just gone through. Miramos atrás al año pasado. At the same time, what are we doing? We're looking ahead to the new year. Miramos hacia adelante al nuevo año. So in that sense, it's not a bad thing to be two-faced. Well, this year, speaking of a new year, that's now almost half over, we've been marching towards this goal of maturity, advancing, moving towards maturity in our faith. Estamos avanzando hacia la madurez en la fe. And as we do so, I think we need to recognize that we are called to be two-faced. Somos llamados para ser y para tener dos caras. Now, I'm not saying we're called to be two-faced in the first sense that I was talking about. Definitely not. It's not a sign of maturity to be faithful to Jesus in one minute and then not faithful to Jesus, right? That's not mature. No es maduro tener lealtad a Jesús un minuto y después. No, it's not a sign of maturity to show loyalty towards our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, uh, for a little while and then not be loyal to them and to betray that. Uh, no, es, no es maduro ser leal después a un hermano y después no. That's not the kind of a way we need to be two-faced, but rather, I believe, in order for us to be mature, we need to learn how to be two-faced in that second sense, in the Janus sense. Tenemos que tener dos caras en el sentido de Jano. And to help me explain what I'm talking about, we look at our scripture today from Hebrews chapter 11. And before verse 39, before what we read, we find this incredible chapter in the Bible. Hebreos 11 es un capítulo muy grande, muy importante. This chapter has sometimes been called the hall of faith. Es el salón de la fe. Why? Well, because here in Hebrews chapter 11, we, we find this Long list of, of examples of godly men and women who have trusted in God for what they did not yet have. Men and women who were certain, it said, what, for what they hoped for. Es una lista de hombres y mujeres que confiaban en Dios por lo que no tenían. And if you go down the list, it's like a who's who in the Bible of faith. We're talking about people like Noah and, and Abraham, of course, and Sarah, his wife, and Moses, and, and even a woman named Rahab, se trata de Noé, Abraham, Sarah, Moises, Rab, and all of these people were people of faith. In fact, Hebrews 11, verse 33, talks about them, and it says, through faith... What did they do? They conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. Por la fe conquistaron reinos, hicieron justicia, apagaron la furia de las llamas, cerraron bocas de leones. They did great things. Great things by faith. Tenían hazañas por la fe. And how did they do this? Well, Hebrews 11.13 says something very interesting. Hebreos 11.13. It says here that when they died, they were still living by faith. They did not receive the things that they had been promised. 
They only saw what they had been promised and welcomed those things from a distance. Murieron sin haber recibido las cosas prometidas, más bien las reconocieron a lo lejos. So these people were living and doing great things for God, trusting in God, living by faith, and yet they didn't get everything that God had, had said was coming. No recibían todo lo que Dios decía que venía. In fact, if you look just a few verses down in Hebrews 11:16, it says that these people were, were longing for a better country. They were longing for a heavenly country. Anhelaban una patria mejor, una celestial. In other words, somehow these figures over the centuries understood that as they walked with God, as they moved towards maturity, there was a bigger plan, bigger than this, just their lifespan, that God was about something to bring his kingdom, for his kingdom, his rule to come, and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that that wouldn't all happen at once. Sabían que Dios tenía un plan para que viniera su reino y se hiciera su voluntad en la tierra como en el cielo. And ultimately, heaven would come down to earth in the person of this special one called the Messiah, and they were waiting for him. Estaban esperando al Mesías que sería el cielo llegado a la tierra. And, and, and so these people, you could say, were people of faith who had faith in Jesus even though they really didn't know him. Even though they maybe didn't even know his name. Tenían fe en Jesús sin haberlo conocido. They didn't have faith in Jesus because they could look back and could see that Jesus had come, that Jesus had lived on the earth and died and rose again from the dead. They didn't have faith because the Holy Spirit had already been poured out on them or because the church was already uh, going forward. No tenían fe por haber mirado atrás a la, a la muerte de Jesús o resurrección, la venida del Espíritu Santo. They, they couldn't look back. These people had to have faith in the Messiah by looking forward and believing. Tenían que mirar adelante para creer. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39 says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Aunque todos obtuvieron un testimonio favorable mediante la fe, ninguno de ellos vio el cumplimiento de la promesa. They believed in a coming Messiah even though they never received him personally. Creían en el Mesías aún sin recibirlo. Now, the question is, why did it have to be that way? ¿Por qué era así? Well, verse 40 tells us why, and it says something very interesting. It, said, it says, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect? Esto sucedió para que ellos no llegaran a la meta sin nosotros, pues Dios nos había preparado algo mejor. The reason that these great people of faith didn't receive everything that God was talking about to them is that God wanted to include you and me, us, in the picture. Dios quería incluir a nosotros en el plan. He wanted us to be a part of the family portrait. He wanted us to join them. Él quería que fuéramos parte del retrato familiar de la iglesia. 
And so here's the thing. It says, it says that without us, they would not be perfect. Si nosotros no verían la meta. In other words, they would not be complete. They would not arrive at maturity without us in the picture. No llegarían a la madurez sin nosotros. Now, you might think somebody's lived on earth, they've been people of faith, they die, that's it. They're done, right? They're completed. They're perfect. No, that something's still lacking, you see. What is still lacking? Well, you see, the plan isn't complete until the very end in Revelation chapter 22. El plan no está completo hasta Apocalipsis 22, where you see described a new heaven and a new earth and they come together and all of God's people are gathered in the church, the bride of Christ, and Christ is united with all of the people of faith, past, present, future. It won't be complete. We won't be perfect and mature until that happens, and all those people who've gone before us are still waiting for that. No va a ser completa la cosa hasta que venga el nuevo cielo, la nueva tierra, y estamos todos juntos in a plan de Dios. So that's why these people are still waiting. So we need to understand something today. We have an advantage. We have a great advantage that those figures of faith never had. Tenemos una ventaja que ellos no tenían. All they could do was look ahead towards Jesus. Solo podían mirar hacia adelante a Jesús. But we you see, we can have faith by looking back. That's an advantage. Podemos tener fe mirando atrás. Jesus Christ has already come. We have the record of it in the scriptures. He's already lived and walked this earth and taught the truth and done miracles. He's died for our sins. He's risen from the dead. He's sent us his Holy Spirit. He's ascended on high. The church is in motion. Wow, talk about advantages. It's all there for us. Cristo ya ha muerto, resucitado, ascendido, Dios su Espíritu Santo y la iglesia. So in a sense, it is easier for us than it was for them. Más fácil para nosotros que para ellos. So Hebrews 12.1 explains then where we are. Donde estamos, Hebreos 12.1. It says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Nosotros que estamos rodeados de una multitud tan grande de testigos, despojémonos del lastre que nos estorbe en especial del pecado que nos asedia y corramos con perseverancia la carrera que tenemos por delante. Now what we have here, if you, if you look at the scripture here, the image, the picture that we have here is of a, an ancient stadium, an ancient coliseum. Es la imagen de un estadio. Okay, get this picture. And it's like the Olympics. And, and it's the marathon. Es el maratón. And the runners enter the stadium. If you've ever seen the Olympic marathon, the runners enter the stadium and they take the final laps in the long 26-mile journey. Hacen las vueltas finales los corredores. And as the runners are taking the final laps, the people in the stands are cheering them on. Keep going. Go for the finish line. Los espectadores les están exhortando, animando para llegar a la meta. Who are the runners? ¿Quiénes son los corredores? 
Runners are you and me. The ones who are running the race of faith in Jesus Christ, moving towards maturity. Somos nosotros los corredores. Who then are the spectators? ¿Quiénes son los espectadores? Well, that's the cloud of witnesses. Es la multitud de los testigos. That's all those men and women of faith who've gone before us. And they have completed the race and they're waiting for us to finish so that we can all be together. But we're to run with perseverance. Hay que correr con la perseverancia. In the Greek Olympics and in the, you know, different events in ancient times, when you, whenever you had a foot race, whether it was a marathon or a sprint race, uh, as I understand it, many times the runners would run naked. Los corredores corrían desnudos. Now, it wasn't because they were showing off, okay? And they evidently weren't ashamed either. No se lucían ni tenían vergüenza o estaban avergonzados. They were running naked because they wanted to win the race. And they didn't want even one stitch of clothing to hold them back. No querían la ropa, que la ropa les detuviera. So they ran without anything on. And so the, the scripture here says we are to run with perseverance the race and we are to strip off in the process of becoming mature, strip off anything that's going to hold us down. Get naked spiritually and take away the sin that clings, that holds you back, that pulls you down and run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Que podamos despojarnos del pecado que nos distraiga. And as we run, Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Fijemos la mirada en Jesús, el iniciador y perfeccionador de nuestra fe. Now, here's the interesting thing as we're running this race. We said before that we have the advantage of looking back and seeing Jesus, right? We see Jesus back there. He's lived. He's died. He's risen. He has given us promises. We have so much to run the race with. Jesús está detrás. He's like the wind at our back pushing us forward. Él es como el viento detrás de nosotros. But you know what? Jesus is not only behind us. Jesus is in front of us. Él está por delante. He's waiting at the finish line. He's got a plan. And he's like a magnet. He's to be like a magnet for a follower of Jesus, attracting us, pulling us towards the goal. Él es como un imán que nos atrae a la meta. And so get the picture. We got the wind at our back. We got the magnet in front of us. And fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the initiator of our faith by dying and rising for us. Él es autor, iniciador la fe al morir y resucitar por nosotros. But he's also the perfecter or completer the one who makes us mature. Él es el perfeccionador, el que nos hace maduros. And so we're to be driven towards the goal, understanding that those witnesses in front of us are in the same place. The witnesses of the past are ahead of us. They've already finished the race. Los testigos están, estuvieron detrás, ahora están enfrente de nosotros. So what we get here, if I, can, if I can just have us think about this, we have here an amazing picture of what the church of Jesus Christ is about. Es un retrato de la iglesia. The church 
is not just the gathering of God's people here on this earth. It's not just us here in a room gathered together. La iglesia no solo la congregación del pueblo de Dios aquí en la tierra. The church is also the assembly of all of the people of faith who've ever lived that are in eternity. Es la congregación de los que están en la eternidad. In fact, over the centuries, there have been two uh, terms that have been used to kind of distinguish uh, these two uh, dimensions of the church. Hay dos términos que distinguen de esto. The first is called the church militant. La iglesia militante. The church militant. That's the people who on earth are fighting the good fight of faith. Militant. That means fighting. Estamos peleando la buena batalla de la fe. We're running the race here on earth. We're the church militant. Somos la iglesia militante. But then there's also the church triumphant. A la iglesia triunfante. Those are the men and women of faith who've been behind us but are now before us. They've run the race and they're waiting for the completion of God's plan in his presence and they are cheering us on. Son los que ya han, han hecho la carrera, ya han peleado la batalla de la fe. And, and so following Jesus in the church is this amazing thing where we understand the church is one church that exists in two dimensions, here on earth and in heaven. La iglesia es una sola iglesia con dos dimensiones, aquí en la tierra y en el cielo. And so following Jesus in the church gives you and me the unique opportunity to be two-faced. Podemos tener dos caras. We can look back at Jesus even as we look forward to him. And maturity is really about that, learning how to look back in order to look forward. La madurez es mirar atrás para poder mirar hacia adelante la victoria que Jesús tiene para nosotros. The early church leader Paul really kind of describes that for us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. You see this amazing uh, confession of Paul where he's like, it's like he's straddling the two worlds. He's straddling the church militant and he's got one foot in the church triumphant. Pablo tiene un pie en la iglesia militante y otro en la iglesia triunfante. He says, the time for my departure has come. Ha llegado el tiempo de mi partida. I have fought the good fight. I've been militant. He peleado la buena batalla. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. He terminado la carrera y he mantenido, me, me ha mantenido en la fe. And now he says, there's something in store for me down the road. It's the crown of righteousness which the Lord is going to award to me on that day. Ahora me espera la corona de la justicia que el Señor me otorgará en aquel día. But he's not just going to give it to me. He's going to give to all who've longed for, who've looked forward to his appearing. La otorgará a todos los que han anhelo, han anhelado, han deseado su, su venida. So, we look back to Jesus. We look back to Jesus who died 2,000 years ago, rose for us, has ascended and given us the Spirit, and he's given us the church, and he's given us everything. Miramos atrás a Jesús, quien murió, resucitó, nos ha dado su Espíritu, but we also look forward to Jesus. And there's more waiting for us. Miramos hacia adelante a Jesús. Not only do we look back and forward to Jesus, we have the opportunity to look back 
at the testimony of the church in order to go forward. Podemos mirar atrás a los testigos para seguir adelante. What I'm talking about is that as we mature in faith, I believe that one of the signs of maturity is that we increasingly become aware and learn and study and value church history. Es señal de madurez valorar la, la historia de la iglesia. Because God has provided that for us. We have in this book, the, the Word of God, the inspired scriptures, we have a God-given book of church history. La Biblia es una Biblia, una palabra de la historia de la iglesia. This is really church history here. The, the big story of the Bible is how God, from the very beginning, Old Testament, New Testament, He's been about gathering to Himself one people to save them, reconcile them, transform them. One people. Old Testament looked forward to Jesus. We, after the New Testament, we look back to Jesus, but God is gathering one people. Dios está congregando un solo pueblo. And we can learn from the men and women of faith who've gone before us. We can learn from their successes, but we should also be learning from their failures. Podemos aprender sus éxitos y sus fracasos también. But we also have another resource, I think, beyond the scriptures, not excluding them, but we have another resource, and that's the history of the church in the last 2,000 years, beyond the Bible. Más allá de la Biblia, tenemos la historia de la iglesia, and we can learn from that too. We can study it. We can, we can uh, gain insight and wisdom, again, from the successes of the church and the failures of the church. We need to be willing to look at both. Podemos mirar los éxitos y los fracasos de la iglesia. And that's one of the passions that I've had over the years. In fact, um, one of the things I've done in the last few months is I just got done reading a book about the history of Christianity of the church in Africa. Amazing book. Acabo de leer un libro sobre África y la iglesia en África. That's a slide before, by the way. You're getting ahead of me there. Um, so the church in Africa, I don't know if you realize that, but there's a long history there. A long history. It began in Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian eunuch. Comenzó en Hechos 8. But Africa has had the gospel for many years, and some of the major battles of our faith were fought in Africa. Some of the key doctrines of our faith were, were, were determined in Africa from, from the battles over Scripture. Las doctrinas básicas de la fe fueron ganadas en África through people like Athanasius and Augustine and another guy named Cyprian of Carthage, he said, if you're going to have God as your father, you better have the church as your mother. That's a great saying. Podemos aprender de Atanasio y Agustín y Cipriano que dijo, si Dios es tu padre, la iglesia tiene que ser tu madre. So I've been learning from that part of the world, but you know, you can go to just about any continent and you can study the history of the church. South America, Asia, there's a, a massive history of the church in North America for us to learn from. And not all of it's pretty. It's, some of it is pretty ugly. And we need to be able to look at that. In Norte America hay una historia de la iglesia. También para aprender. And of course, Europe. That's a lot of where our heritage comes from. From reformers like John Calvin and Martin Luther and others. Podemos aprender los reformadores de Europa. There you go. That's the right statue. That's Calvin and some other early reformers there in that, stat in that uh, monument. And they helped to turn the church at a time when the church was 
going the wrong way. One of the things I'd love to know more about, I've studied a little bit, is the history of how we got our English Bible. John Wycliffe, William Tyndale, they gave their lives so that you and I can stand here and open up the Bible in English. John Wycliffe, William Tyndale, dieron sus vidas por la traducción de la Biblia en inglés. And equally, there's an, another history I haven't learned much about, but uh, Casiodoro de Reina and Cipriano de Valera did the same thing. They translated the Bible into Spanish under the nose of the Spanish Inquisition. Casiodoro de Reina y Cipriano de Valera tradujeron la Biblia durante la Inquisición. People of faith that we can gain from. Uh, recently, uh, you probably heard a few weeks ago, I was talking about this woman named Henrietta Mears. And I'm reading a book around, uh, right now about her. Estoy leyendo de Henrietta Mears. Who is this woman? Well, for about 40 years, she directed this high-impact Sunday school program at Hollywood Presbyterian Church down south. Ella dirigió un gran, eh, una gran escuela dominical en la Iglesia Presbyteriana de Hollywood. He said, okay, that's nice. No, it's more than nice. Henrietta Mears quietly influenced a lot of people. Over 450 pastors came out of her Sunday school. That's not including missionaries, Christian workers. She had a major influence in a turning point that Billy Graham had. If she had not been a connection with Billy Graham, he might have gone in a different direction with his ministry, influyó en Billy Graham. She influenced uh, Jim Rayburn, the founder of Young Life, and, and uh, Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade, and uh, the leaders of World Vision, many other organizations. One little woman did that, and I'm learning about that. So there's so much. But there's another resource. Hay otro recurso. There's another part of the cloud of witnesses, I think, we're missing. And that's the cloud of ordinary witnesses. Hay cristianos ordinarios. Today's Mother's Day. Hoy es el día de la mamá. If you have a mother who loves Jesus and follows him and she's with you today, whether she's physically here or somewhere else, Give thanks to God for her witness. Denle gracias a Dios por el testigo de tu mamá si está aquí contigo. I give thanks for my mom. My mom, hi mom. Love you mom. Our mothers have something to teach us. And their wisdom, their experience, we can value that. Learn and listen. Podemos aprender de las mamás. If your mother is one who has followed Jesus faithfully, but she's no longer here, maybe your mother has joined the church triumphant, give thanks to God for her legacy. Si tu mamá está con la iglesia triunfante, dale gracias a Dios por ella. Again, there's, there's a, something there that you can pass on to your children, to future generations that you've gained from your mother. And maybe it's not your biological mother. Maybe you have a spiritual mother or a spiritual father. Next month we'll celebrate Father's Day. It's the same thing. We have spiritual fathers as well. Hay mamás espirituales y padres espirituales. And, and as the church, we can value those things and value what we learn from them. But the good news I'm trying to get at is this. When you belong to Jesus Christ and you are in his church, 
Guess what? When you die, you don't leave the church. Cuando mueres, no sales de la iglesia. Did you know that? The church is the one community on this earth that, that stays with you after you die. You don't change uh, out of the church. No, you go from the church militant to the church triumphant, but it's one church. Te vas de la iglesia militante a la iglesia triunfante. And so God's word today would say, let's, let's be two-faced. Tengamos dos caras. Let's always look back at Jesus and his witnesses so that we can look ahead to Jesus as well. Miremos atrás para mirar hacia adelante a Jesús. So I want to pray for us right now. And then what I'd like to do is for us to, to share a part of, of a resource from witnesses in the past called the Heidelberg Catechism. We're going to recite something from that I think is powerful. Quiero orar por ustedes y vamos a después recitar algo del catecismo. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Buen Padre Celestial, te damos gracias en este momento por las mamás. Thank you, Lord, for our mothers. We give you thanks also for the cloud of witnesses that we can learn from. Te damos gracias por la meta, el testimonio de los testigos. And Lord, as we move forward, as we follow you from day to day, let us not think, as so many do in our day and age, that that we have all the wisdom we need here and now, that we know better than those people that lived hundreds of years ago, that we know better than, than our parents or grandparents or great-grandparents. Let us not have that attitude of pride. Que no tengamos una actitud de soberbia, Señor, para decir, en aquellos tiempos no sabían nada, no podemos aprender de aquellas personas. But rather, with humility, let us learn not only from them, but not only to look at them, but to see where they're pointing. Let us learn from those who point and say, look to Jesus. Que podamos aprender de, que los, de los que señalan y dicen, miren a Jesús. Lord, bless your church. Your church is full of flaws and failures and disappointments. But also, this is your bride. You love your bride. You don't want anybody to put your bride down. La iglesia está llena de fallas, está llena de fallas, pero también es tu novia, Señor. So help us to value what you give us, the gift that we have. Gracias por este regalo. And move us towards the goal. Let us fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Que fijemos la mirada en ti, Jesús. Thank you for, for being the one who's initiated faith and the one who will bring us to maturity. Gracias por iniciar nuestra fe y por traernos a la madurez. We ask this in your holy and precious name. En tu nombre precioso y santo te lo pedimos. And the church said, Amen. I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to get that catechism question up on the, on the screen there. It's from, like I said, from the Heidelberg Catechism. This is un documento del Catecismo de Heidelberg. And we're going to read it first in English, and then we will read it in Spanish. So go to the next screen, please. There we go. So I don't see where the question is. We missed the question. Having a little problem. There we are. There we are. Okay. So this is the question. I want us to read the question, and then we'll go to the next slide in order to 
answer it. Vamos a leer la pregunta y después contestar la pregunta. So let's read the question together. What do you believe concerning the Holy Universal Church? Okay, let's read. I believe that the Son of God, through his spirit and word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in true faith. And of this community, I am and always will be a living member. En español, ¿qué crees de la Santa Iglesia Cristiana Universal? Y la respuesta, que el Hijo de Dios, desde el principio hasta el fin del mundo, de todo el género humano, congrega, guarda y protege para sí, por su espíritu y su palabra en la unidad de la verdadera fe, una comunidad elegida para la vida eterna, de la cual yo soy un miembro vivo y permaneceré para siempre. Let's sing praise to our God.